Good morning, every nation. Great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. How was that worship? Amazing, amazing. We can just worship God together and experience His goodness. I also just want to say I am an adult, or also a young adult. So whenever they, they announce for, for legends, I'm close enough to be a legend, so I can be there. Whenever they talk about young adults, I'm close enough to be a young adult just because of how I dress. Hey, Jess, do I qualify? Awesome. Even if they don't invite me to their events, I will still go because <laughs> I'm young at heart. I also want to welcome our guests from Porter's Room. Can you just wave? Thank you for being with us this morning. Love having you here with us. Great stuff. Um, they wanted to be at the worship night, and uh, uh, we said our Sundays is worship night as well. So they are here with us. Thank you for being with us. This morning, we're studying a series on the book of Colossians. Once a year, we uh, take one book of the Bible. Uh, we take Old Testament book of the Bible and New Testament book of the Bible. So this morning, we're looking at the book of Colossians at chapter 1. Now, focus specifically on who Christ is, the preeminence of Christ. We'll also be dealing with this whole issue of Gnosticism, what it is in relation to Christ. And the modern day examples of this spiritual error that's creeping into the church. And how does Paul correct this error? If we were to look at uh, the background of this book, Colossians, Apostle Paul writes to the church in Colossae. I'm so amazed that as he's writing this letter, speaking so well of who Christ is, he's actually writing this letter while he's sitting in prison. How is that for you? Imagine you are arrested for the work of the king, and Jesus, Apostle Paul says, I'm suffering for, for, for the sake of the gospel, and he's in that place, and he's saying, I'm writing to you so you understand who Christ is. The city of Colossae was about 100 miles away from Ephesus, and it was a port city. Uh, in our day and age, we'll say it would be like Durban, my favorite city in South Africa, because they, don't, they never, ever have winter there, and the water is warm, Right? Cape Town, second best. It's like Durban, you know, the industry, the, all that's happening there. So this city, it was, it was such a diverse city. You know, some of the uh, even religions that are mentioned that happened in Colossae was astrology, Greek, Roman gods, mystery religions, Judaism, and Christianity. But in all of this, Apostle Paul realizes that we need to be careful that the church doesn't fall into Gnosticism or different philosophies and ideologies which have a set of distinct beliefs. Syncretism, which you'll hear about in a few weeks to come, also occurred in the church in Colossae, some of the things that we call today New Age philosophies. In chapter 1, I like how Apostle Paul skillfully uses the sandwich principle. You know the sandwich principle? Affirmation, correction, affirmation. After the first service, someone came to me and says, Pastor Sam, I think it's better if you call it a hamburger principle because hamburgers got more meat on it. I said, I like that. We'll go with it. But Apostle Paul says in chapter 1, he starts by talking about the gospel and the power of the gospel, how it has influenced these people in Coloss. And then he looks at uh, how they have fallen into there's other beliefs, there's other secret knowledges that people are coming about. And then he wraps up the chapter with this amazing, glorious explanation of who Jesus is. And he says, guys, I want you 
to live a life worthy of this Jesus. I like how he affirms them. We're going to read from chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. And then he goes into thanksgiving and prayer. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and the love that spring from the hope, that word very critical, the faith and hope, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up in you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard, and you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. I love verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. This is a guy in prison. We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge, that word is important, knowledge of God. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Amen. When I look at this portion of Scripture, I'm amazed by how Apostle Paul affirms them. He says to them that you guys, your faith and your love for God's people brings hope to the area where you are. Your faith and love, it, it makes people to look at you and say, these guys, there's something different about them. And I wonder if Apostle Paul was to write a letter to the church of Johannesburg. Now, you must understand that when we talk about the church of Colossae, it is the body of Christ in Colossae he was writing to. So when we say the church of Johannesburg is the body of Christ in Johannesburg, what would God write about us? What would Paul say to us? And I thought to myself, if we were to write to every nation Johannesburg or every nation Rosebank, what would he say to us? Would he say to us, guys, I heard about you. I heard about how you actually are current, how woke you are. That's just for the young adults. Woke means that you, you are aware, you are in touch. I'm explaining to the legends. You are in touch. I told you that I'm right in the middle, right? I understand the language. I understand the lingo. Right there, Apostle Paul says, would he write and say, you, 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 are, you, are, you are so current, even your latest gadgets are cool. You, 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 you like your comfort. You like the good life. Is that how we would want to be known? Or would he say, this is my prayer. We've heard of your love for God. We've heard of your love for people. And we've heard of your love for your city. We have heard of your love for God. In everything that you do, you put God first. When you wake up to go to work, you put God first. 
When you wake up and you drive in your car, you put God first. We've heard about you. Apostle Paul said, we've heard how when you see someone in need, you will stop and help them because of your love for people. Apostle Paul, uh, it's my prayer. He will say, we've seen how you pray and weep for your city. How you stand in the gap for your nation and trust God to see transformation. That is my prayer. That is my prayer. That is my prayer that we would be known for the love of God, love of people, and love of our city. Faith and love is the true message of the gospel. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. That's what it says on the next slide. And you have truly understood grace. I I was just amazed that he didn't say you understood grace. He says you have truly understood grace. And you'll see why this is important because, yes, there is an understanding of grace, but some people have taken grace to the one extreme and forgetting the true understanding of grace. We continually ask God to fill you with his knowledge of his will. As as the gospel was, was growing and the church was expanding, this concept of Gnosticism comes because there were false teachers who came. And these false teachers, they were trying to stop the prosperity of the church. They were trying to stop the gospel from growing. So when we talk about Gnosticism, it is a belief that you have special knowledge about salvation or redemption that others don't have. It is a belief that you have certain secrets that others don't have. Knowledge is not bad, but if it is elevated to a level of imparting salvation only to a selected few, it becomes deception. If it is just for a selected few, there's something wrong with that. Our God is a God who wants us to know His knowledge. He wants us to know who He is. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. Apostle Paul states that the secret knowledge of God has now been revealed and made accessible to all people. That Christ is not hidden to anyone. In fact, I like it in Proverbs 25 verse 3. It says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. God wants us to know Him and to know His truth. I mean, when I read Proverbs 25, when it says that it is the glory of God to hide something, and it is the glory of us people to find it. I think about the Easter egg hunt. I don't know if you've ever been involved with Easter egg hunt. It's meant to be for the children, but I know that the parents and the young adults enjoy it too because of the chocolate. So with the Easter egg hunt, as a father, as a parent, I would normally hide the Easter eggs in a place where the kids can find them with ease. I would not actually hide them in a place where they won't find them. Parents, don't put them on the roof. It's just too dangerous. Don't put them on the ceiling, please. Put them in a place where they can find them. And I know that the older kids normally will find more chocolates than others. And then I'll say, okay, guys, bring them all here. We're going to share with everyone. Where am I going with this? God the Father will not hide His truth from us. God the Father will not hide himself from us. God the Father wants us to find him. What does it say? If you seek me and seek me with all your heart, you will find me. He wants us to find him. He doesn't want to hide away from us. So when Gnosticism creeps into the churches, when certain people say, we have certain truths that you don't have. 
But I'm here to say to you, find Jesus, find truth. If you find Jesus, you'll find the truth. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than who? Christ. No further knowledge is required. Stick to the basics. No further knowledge is required. All we have to do is to stick to the basics. So I'm going to explain what happened in the church in Colossae. As I've said that false teachers came in and they started teaching this false doctrine that was based on Old Eastern dogma. This Old Eastern dogma was to say, matter is evil, the body is evil, and God who's holy, how can he create an evil body? So they would dissociate your spirit and your body. And this led to this couple of beliefs that came into the church. Number one, they started believing that, okay, if the body is not holy, if the body is evil, they started believing that, okay, we can fall into this ascetic practices. This ascetic practices, it simply means that you can actually punish the body to receive your salvation speaks about the harsh treatment of the body. It also speaks about the certain pleasures that you cannot have physically because you have to punish the body. And I remember when I got saved many, many years ago that we were not allowed to watch TV because TV was evil. I'm glad we are over that. I am so glad. If you don't watch TV, good for you. I remember when I got saved, we were not allowed to play soccer. I mean, like, Saturday afternoon, choir practice, Sunday afternoon, there was something happening among the whole time you were at church. I had to go to Victory Weekend. Who knows I would have played for Kaiser Chiefs? <laughs> Who knows I would have been a professional soccer player now? Who knows I would have played for Arsenal? Who knows I would have made trials at Orlando Pirates? Ascetic practices, I believe that through abstinence from physical pleasure or harsh treatment of the body, we can get, we can be saved. If you think about certain religious beliefs, they have actually gone into that. They think that by doing certain things, I will be accepted. The second practice, which is so apt to this day in the church, is license to sin. Since the body is evil, we can indulge in evil pleasure and evil passion. So you move from one extreme where the body's evil, do whatever you want, or since the body's evil, I might as well just live my life the way I want to live. It's so interesting because this is linked to this uh, hyper-grace movement where people say, you know, you sin, God will forgive you tomorrow. Just live your life the way you live. But I'm here to say to you, Titus 2.11 says, the grace of God teaches us to say no to unrighteousness and ungodliness. So the grace of God is right there when you're about to commit that sin. Don't say the grace of God is only there after. The grace of God is right there when you're about to commit the sin. The grace of God is there to help you to overcome the sin. So we need to be watchful of these things that are creeping into the church. Let me just address this one thing that always causes confusion. 
you know, people will say, okay, uh, we're about to get married. He's paying rent at another place. I'm paying rent at another place. If we move in together, we can save. We can just stay in the same apartment. This one will be in that room. That one in, will be in the other room. Deception. You're deceiving yourself to think that you can keep the boundaries living in the same room. Living in the same house. Let me, let me explain it in a way that actually a lot of people may have experienced this. Is you pay lobola and you say, well, my parents say I'm married. What does the Bible say? The Bible says you get the blessing of the parents, you get the blessing of God through a representative of God here on earth, whoever the representative of God is. You sign the marriage register. The Bible says uh, submit to the authorities. Then you'll be married. So we give ourselves license to sin because we tell ourselves that, no, 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 this is my belief. As Christians, we need to put Christ first. What does Christ say to us? Some of the things that creep in into the church today, this whole enlightenment, enlightenment apart from Christ. Some of the themes in movies today, I don't know if you might have seen the movie Doctor Strange. A neurosurgeon goes to Tibet and then he finds the ancient one who reveals new truth. I don't know if you've seen um, Supernatural series. I haven't watched this one on TV. They're chasing after demons and monsters. Don't you have other great things to do? <laughs> to be chasing after demons and monsters. Really, what are you going to get from that? So I'm encouraging you as the children of God, let's watch with a critical eye. Let's watch with a, let's not just consume what's out there. Let's watch with a critical eye. The central idea to Gnosticism is seeking the secret of knowledge that brings enlightenment apart from Christ. The person and the redemptive work of the cross is diminished. The person of who Christ is. Some believers have fallen into this trap. I mean, when you talk about secret knowledge, there has been guys who've been preaching about the blood moons. Yes, the Bible refers to the blood moons that it will be a sign of the end of the age. So one of the preachers, he prophesied and predicted the second coming of Jesus in 2015. Hi, Bo. We are in 2017. So this is just to warn you that there's a new preacher in town with a new prophecy, and you follow. It is 2017. Secret experiences. Some people, they talk about secret spiritual experiences that others don't have. It's for a select few. Yes, God wants to reveal greater things of the kingdom, but let's stick to the basics. Let's stick to the basics. This one I like is uh, uh, the secret to prosperity. How, you know, all of a sudden this, yesterday it was three keys. Today is five keys. Tomorrow it's ten keys to prosperity. And then there's an anointing oil. You have to pay for the anointing oil. I don't see it in the Bible. Yes, there's anointing oil in the New Testament. You know, the elders will lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. But the elders didn't put a price tag to the anointing oil. Let's talk now. All these false theories conspired to limit the greatness and authority of Jesus Christ, to limit the efficiency of the redemption that is found in Him. If God is revealing five keys to prosperity, hallelujah, tell us. 
But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the only key. Jesus is the only key. In fact, the best way to put it is Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. And he alone is the only solution for mankind's problems. He alone, he alone is the answer to mankind's problems. So no further knowledge is required. Stick to the basics. Stick to being in the word, in prayer, and you'll find Jesus. You'll find your prosperity. Stick to Jesus. Nothing wrong with studying and learning about science. Science gets its knowledge from the Bible. When scientists were arguing about the world being flat, the Bible had already said in Ezekiel that the world is round. They woke up later. Clearly, the scientists are not woke. My last point, God in Christ, the, the, the preeminent and supreme rule of we started with the gospel, the gospel in the church, expanding the church, the truth and the love that comes through the gospel. We look at how the enemy will use setting new secret knowledge to distract us and move us away from who Christ is. Now I want to close with this. Then who is Christ? Verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Let's just pause there for a bit. The Son is the image of the invisible God. If Jesus is the true representation of who God is, what more do we want? If Jesus came to show us how close God wants to come to us, what more do we want? Jesus is the full representation of who God is. When Paul wrote this, he knew that in those days in Colossae, idols... We're starting to creep in where people were now worshiping idols, moving away from God. And he's addressing them and he said, guys, Jesus is the only representative of God here on earth. The Son is the image of the invisible God. So God is not far from us. He came through his son, Jesus. He's the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn. Why Paul wrote it there is because we know that in those days, culture says that the firstborn will receive the whole inheritance. So if Jesus has the whole inheritance and we have Jesus in our hearts, we have the inheritance. So we don't need any other thing. We've got Christ. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. John 1 verse 12, for those who have received Christ, they have the right to be called the sons of God. We have an inheritance in God through Jesus Christ. So who's the key to prosperity? Jesus. He's the only key. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Now, Paul is addressing that whole matter, the body is evil. No, 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 no. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Everything has been created through Christ and for Christ. Christ was there right from the beginning. It continues to say, and he is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Let's pause there. What does the Bible say? In Him all things hold together. When I pray and think about this, it's too deep for me to fathom that Christ holds all things together. So what you're going through your life, the broken pieces of your life, Christ can bring it all together. He holds all things together. In fact, as I was reading about this, I realized I do not have time to actually unpack in Him all things hold together. 
I was just pondering and I was thinking, man, what does it mean that he holds all things together? And I just thought to myself, God, for the sake of young adults, I'll say, I can't deal. <laughs> I just can't deal. I can't deal. It's too much. That's a deb, by the way. It means it's so profound that I don't have time to go into it this morning. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. What more do we want? If Jesus is above everything, what more do we want? Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all, not some, all his fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. After reading just this few verses, it addresses this question. Without Christ, there would never have been a universe. How can he not be the savior of the universe? This universe that we're living in, including the moon and the stars, whatever, if, if, if he did not create it, what, 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 why could he not be the savior of the universe? This Christ that we worship is bigger than we think. On the next slide, the gospel is the great news that through Christ Jesus, the inbreaking and dynamic rule of God has come to set all things right. Jesus, the gospel that we preach is, is the inbreaking. The dynamic rule of God has come to set all things right. It may not look like it now in our own physical eyes, but I've got an answer for you. Go to verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. It's now disclosed. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're sitting here this morning. We need to get a revelation of who this Christ is. If he's the creator of the universe and he holds all things together, in our natural eyes when we read the news, we may lose sight of the fact that Christ in us, he's the hope of the glory that is to come. And when you talk about the glory that's to come, it's not just the glory that's to come in heaven. Even while we're here on earth, that glory has to come. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So whatever you may be facing, remind yourself that Christ in us, He brings that glory. He brings that hope for what God wants to do. You may be thinking about the loved ones some of your loved ones who do not know Christ, we need to rise in hope and believe for them to have this hope that we have. Christ is all we need for salvation and the knowledge of God. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This makes the believer become the source of hope to others. That's why we say we have hope for South Africa. We as the children of God, we need to be a channel of hope. We need to be channels of hope where there is no hope. When we step in because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, we cannot live hopeless lives. We cannot live with hopelessness. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let us stand to pray.
Christ in us, the hope of glory. So friends, I want to encourage you, if you can, close your eyes. Do that. Close your eyes just for a few seconds and let Christ reveal himself to you. The image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. In him, all things were created. Through him, all things were created. For him, all things were created. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body. He is the beginning. He is the last. He is the alpha and omega. The word of God says, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the Jesus we proclaim this morning. Lord, I pray that you reveal yourself to us, Lord. Reveal who you are to us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we will not live as those without hope, Father, because we've got Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus, come into our hearts this morning. Jesus, sit on the throne of our hearts this morning. Come in power, Lord God, and remind us who you are, Lord. Creator of universe, creator of earth, Savior and Lord of our lives. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. At the mention of your name, name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, at the mention of that name, demons will flee. At the mention of that name, sin will be cleansed. At the mention of his name, depression will be broken. At the mention of that name, souls will be saved. At the mention of his name, lives will be mended. At the mention of that name, divorce will be stopped. At the mention of his name, Marriages will be mended. At the mention of His name, South Africa will be reconciled. The world will be reconciled. The world that is at war with itself will be reconciled. We mention this name this morning. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We want situations we are facing to bow down this morning. If you thought you will not get the job, at the mention of His name, you will get the job. That business deal that you've been working for for many months, at the mention of the name of Jesus, it shall be done. That promise that you've been standing on for so many years, at the mention of the name of Jesus, because He's the key. Come Holy Spirit, 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 come Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do, Father. In our hearts this morning, do only what you can do, Lord. It is not man's work, it is your work, Father. Do only what you can do, Father, this morning. Thank you, Father. In this atmosphere of prayer, there are people here who 
have not committed their lives to this Jesus that we're talking about. So if you are here and you say, I have not opened up my heart, as John 1 verse 12 says, those who have received Jesus, He gives them the right to be called children of God. If you are here, I want you to take a bold step and just raise your right hand to heaven and say, I'm here and I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to commit my life to this Jesus that you're talking about this morning. If you're here, just raise your hand right where you are so we can pray for you. Thank you, my sister. Anyone else? Just raise your hand right where you are. Thank you, my brother at the back. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Make a bold step this morning and say, I want this Jesus. I also feel that there may be people here who say, I've lost this relationship with this Jesus and I want it back. If you are here and you say, I've lost my walk with Jesus, just raise your hand. You're raising your hand to Jesus, not to man. Thank you, my brother at the back. Thank you, my sisters. There's a reason why you are here today. There's a reason why you have to raise your hand so that relationship can be restored. Thank you, my brother. For all those who raise your hands, we're going to ask you to come to the front so we can pray with you. We're not going to ask you to say anything, but we want to pray with you so you can have that relationship restored with Christ. So please come to the front. If you raise your hand, let's give them a round of applause. If you raise your hand, come to the front. Thank you. We want to pray with you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sisters. Just be bold and calm and say, I want to come back to this Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come to this Jesus. You can stand. You don't have to go. Come to this Jesus. Even if you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to come to this Jesus. Let me give you an opportunity. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come up here. Come to this Jesus. Come to this Jesus. He's waiting for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for this great people that are standing here. Father, your word says that when we move into this kingdom, our lives will never be the same again. Our lives will be transformed forever. I pray that God, that they will know that God, you love them and you receive them as they are. You receive them as they are. And this morning I pray for complete restoration. Complete restoration. Complete restoration, Father. Complete restoration. Whatever the enemy has stolen, we pray for complete restoration in the name of Jesus. Complete restoration in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you that you are at work and you will complete the work that you've begun and that you're beginning in the lives of these people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.